This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thanks for staying tuned to The Morning Run. It's 7.36 Thursday, the 9th of February. And as usual, after the 8 a.m. news bulletin, we have The Breakfast Grill. Who are you putting in the hot seat today, Jensen? So in the hot seat today is Kelvin Chong. He's managing director of the Scheffler Group in Malaysia. So the Scheffler Group is a listed entity in Frankfurt, Germany, and he started more than seven decades ago by two brothers, Wilhelm and George Scheffler in Germany. It is now a leading global automotive and industrial supplier. But the success of the industry hinges a great deal on growth in the automotive market and also the semiconductor industry, where both are expected to face more headwinds this year. Its presence in Malaysia dates way back to 1995, but it caters more to the industrial division, which supplies rolling bearings. But it also has an office in Penang, which caters to the semiconductor industry in Penang. So we'll be speaking to Kelvin to get some insights on the business in Malaysia, as well as why its share price performance has done so badly. The share price has halved since its IPO in 2015. So do tune in. That's going to be happening after the 8 a.m. Bullet, uh, news bulletin. But in the meantime, let's look at the health of the consumer because according to organisations like the World Bank and IMF, global growth is projected to slow in the face of elevated inflation, higher interest rates, reduced investments and disruptions caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Given the fragile state of the global economy post-COVID-19, any new adverse development could push the world into a recession. Now, these factors weigh heavily on consumer trends and how they spend their money, even as governments and corporations try to spur growth and reinvigorate the economy. In this corner of the world, the Asia-Pacific region has also been adversely impacted by China's closure, as well as the strengthening of the US dollar. And as businesses try to recapture pre-pandemic performance, what will be the trends to look out for and factors to consider in 2023? For some thoughts, we have with us on the line Liana Yahaya. She's a Senior Manager for Regional Analytics and Insights at Nielsen's IQ. Nielsen's IQ recently released a Global Consumer Trends Report entitled Consumer Outlook 2023. Good morning, Liana. Thanks for joining us. Now, the report starts off with the fact that the global state of consumers this year is unsettled. What does this then mean in terms of consumer spend? Okay, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank BFM for inviting me today. So regarding your question on the global state of consumer in 2023, right now our consumers are pretty unsure about the future, although now it is much more to a lesser degree than what it was before. We saw that the consumers right now are in this state of constant uh, scepticism. They feel that there's going to be further disruption down the road. So they brought with them this high level of cautiousness in terms of all form of spending whether it's basic necessity, entertainment, self-indulgence. So what we expect is that it's going to be a year of safeguarding, action planning, strategizing across the socio-economic challenges. And the thing is, our consumers choose to be more aware on the changes in the retail landscape. So a slight increase on the price of a product can actually lead to a quite significant change in consumer purchasing behavior. In Asia-Pacific alone, 68% of our consumers said that they are worsened off because of the increased cost of living. This is a 16% jump from last year, so that's really massive. But regardless of all of this, the consumers are adapting, and this ongoing pandemic condition have kind of impacted consumers to a much more lesser degree than what it was during the peak of COVID regardless. And how does this impact businesses? How should they shift strategies to get consumers to spend? 
we at Nielsen IQ, we do specialize in fast-moving consumer goods. Here, because of how fast the trends can change on a daily basis, especially on a granular level or product level, our industry players, our client, they really keep a close eye on the data trends. And honestly, a lot of them have started to change and shift their strategies right now. So these strategies can include things like change in packaging, in product volume. The things you purchase may have gotten smaller and smaller. And of course, price increase, which is the most common one. But the thing is, all of these things have to be done in a very careful way because it can have a significant impact to your rate of sales compared to the previous times. And for those who understand the needs of the consumers, of our existing consumers, they kind of shift their offering to what is now demanded by our consumers. So there are a couple of values that have become a lot more important to our consumers. And this in includes things like physical wellness, mental health, planning for the future. So if we were to create our offerings around these values, it can also capture demand. The report also shows that there's an emphasis on areas like mental wellness, job security and physical wellness. How does this translate into sales? When it comes to the post-pandemic concerns, you'd be surprised of how similar the way our consumers kind of worry about the future because these key emphasis that you mentioned, we did the survey across the globe and the result is pretty similar regardless of the countries. And the thing is, the two that you mentioned, the physical and mental health, these are some of our biggest concern post the pandemic aggression. So we see in our data, for example, OTC medicine, things like uh, vitamin C, the momentum may have slowed down compared to the peak of COVID, but it still is growing year on year. It's continuously growing. And on top of that, yes, our size of wallet remained the same. So there are things that our consumers choose to let go for example, things like clothing, alcohol, in which they are, we are expecting to go down a little bit in terms of sales. And also, there are also things that consumers are planning to purchase more and more. Things like plant-based food, uh, frozen food. So regardless of this, uh, the core value kind of remained the same across the globe, but the details will differ. Uh, Liana, but at the same time, the report did reveal some interesting findings that uh, pet care and snacking are top performers driving global sales growth. So why have consumers prioritised that over traditional key items like food and home care? Uh, for food spending, it has actually been increasing, especially with many of us starting to work from home again. But the thing is, it increased more towards basic purchases. And same with home care, where the sales have stabilized. It just remains stable year on year. The growth is about around 1%, 0%. Yeah. But we've always seen this growth in spending when it comes to the things we love and care, like you mentioned, uh, our pets and our kids. So we always want the best for them, so we're willing to pay more for that. And on top of that, snacking is an interesting one because this is your home indulgence. So we don't really spend outside as much anymore right now. So we kind of downgraded to this luxurious in-home consumption and impulse purchases. So products like your ice cream, your chocolate, these are like cheaper substitutes to your fine dining and your cinema tickets and popcorns. But Liana, ice cream and chocolate is not a downgrade in my view. But Liana, the report also noted that there is depolarization in spending intentions across the economic divide. What are these polarizations and what are the factors that contribute to it? As tough as it is, we cannot simply group all consumers into one simple bucket. So what we did was that we grouped them based on their impact from the pandemic. In Asia Pacific, 14% are thrivers 
whom are not really impacted at all financially. They have savings and they are spending freely. And then there's also the group where they struggle and they lost their jobs, but they are recovering from this. This is whom we call the strugglers, which is around 25% of the market in APEC. And then the majority of us, 31%, we are not financially impacted. We still have our jobs. But what happened is that we became a whole lot more cautious with our spending for this just-in-case scenario. And so based on how we experience this pandemic, we kind of end up behaving differently in our spending intentions. We found that only one topic showed a growing trend in spending across all group of consumers, and that is consumer goods, our food. This is what consumers, regardless of financial situation, we plan to spend more money in. And then the deep polarization that you mentioned, it falls on topic like food services, where the cautious group plan to cut down and perhaps they just rather to, uh, cook at home to save more money. And then there's also the topic on leisure and lifestyle. So things like entertainment, holidays, gym membership, these are where the polarization comes in, where the thrivers, they plan to spend more on, but the biggest chunk, the, the cautious consumer like us, we, we choose to cut down on this. And Liana, how much has China's reopening impacted consumer behaviour in APEC? To be fair, it still is early and we do have quite limited of data at the moment for this since China just reopened around uh, January and then right after that, Chinese New Year comes in. Uh, regardless, we do see mainland Chinese kind of prioritize to travel in uh, in areas like Hong Kong, Macau, Singapore, Thailand. So for industry players, manufacturers and retailers, it will be wise to kind of start strategizing on how to target these Chinese visitors and try to understand the kind of product that they may want to purchase after three years of no travelling. What about younger generations? There has been a report that luxury goods are being driven by Gen Z and millennials. Is that reflected in your survey as well? We did found that cautiousness in spending is kind of more prevalent in the older generation. The Gen Z and the millennials, they seem to be less financially impacted, but it's kind of obvious because a lot of them, especially Gen Z, are still very early in their personal income-making journey, right? So it's only the, uh, the first few years where they are able to make their own purchasing decision. And then on top of that, they're not too familiar on the previous level of cost of living, so it kind of impacts the older generation more. For the youth, they are previously more concerned on things like job security or interpersonal issues like mental health instead. So a lot of them, on top of that, they believe that they are living comfortably or spending freely right now. But regardless, they are still very concerned if price were to increase soon. All right, thank you for your time. That was Liana Yahaya. She's Senior for Regional Analytics and Insights at Nielsen IQ. Up next, we look ahead to the parliamentary sitting next week and what to expect. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.